2: So going back to uh, Justead, Dan, one of your uh, gripes was uh, a kind of a lack of mobility, but it was a pretty good backflip
3: from him. <laughs> no, 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 no. This wasn't like Loire Loire, world-class, Olympic standard backflip. This was like a donkey from Shrek throwing himself into the air, and it was, you know... Don't lie, you look back at it now, it was 50-50 whether that was going to be a successful landing that wasn't going to result in a (laughs) Kozak-level injury, to be honest, from where I was sitting. But (laughs) I'm delighted he scored two goals, and long may it continue.
4: When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man.
3: This is the voice of your god, Randy Lerner. Congratulations on your win against the Rudderham. It romantically nursed me to sleep.
2: Welcome to the My Old oh Man Said podcast show. I'm David Michael, the editor of My All oh Man Said. We start this episode on a more sombre note after the untimely passing of former Aston Villa striker Dalian Atkinson. I was thinking of Dalian's Aston Villa career after the tragic news, and I soon uh, hit the realisation that Dalian had been front and centre of some of my favourite personal moments of supporting Aston Villa. I mean, who scored on his Villa debut? Hillsborough, potentially one of the best away days I've been to, which was also Big Run's first game in charge, Dalian Atkinson. It was always my dream to see Villa win a cup at Wembley, and in 1994 in the League Cup final, who scored the opener, terrorised Bruce and Pallister, all game, and led us to victory, Dalian Atkinson. The emotional rollercoaster that preceded that, the semi-final with Tramia Rovers, who was the inspiration personified? Took the game by the scruff of the neck and at times was taking on Tramier on his own before scoring the last gasp goal that took us into extra time. Dalian Atkinson. Who scored Villa's first ever goal in the Premier League? Well, I was there at Portman Road to witness, along with about 2,000 other Villa fans, Dalian Atkinson score it. A couple of days later, uh, while... Well, Walking on the high street in Lincoln, uh, I bumped into a Leeds United friend of mine, uh, and he began telling me about he'd just bought a lime green Ford Capri. An hour later, we were in that lime green Ford Capri, impulsively driving to Villa Park to see Villa versus Leeds. Who scored Villa's goal in the 1-1 draw? Dalian Atkinson. In that season, Villa were challenging for the title against Manchester United. And when the teams clashed at Villa Park, Villa won 1-0. Who scored that winner? Dalian Atkinson. There's been other great moments like the infamous umbrella goal against Wimbledon. But no, it's, it's a sad passing and if this was a radio show, I'd be dedicating the next song to Dalian Atkinson and his family at this time. Let's crack on with the podcast proper. In the show coming up, we'll be talking about Doc Tony's first week in the trenches at Villa Park, our verdict on the first week in the championship, a look at uh, the areas of the Villa team, like the defence, the midfield. We'll also take a closer look at the enigma that is Rudigerstedt and also profile various other Villa players in the mix. Those that look like they're going to have an impact this season and also those that probably are going to make up the Bomb Squad Part 2. Before we get to the core of the show which was recorded on the evening of the uh, rotherham win if you would like to uh, support the uh, my old man said podcast because uh, tell you what it takes a lot more time putting it together than i expected especially the editing please visit us on my and uh, become a patron it's like the old days when people used to pay for stuff and it is much appreciated Anyway, joining me back, due to popular demand, Dan Rogers from the Villa Underground blog. And also, with his silky tones, uh, the My Man Said writer, Chad Wren. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello Hello there. Uh, So, uh, were you skipping out of Villa Park today? A bit of a change of uh, mood than the usual uh, pilgrimage.
3: I had a positive stroll from the... It was... uh, it's like a distant memory that it soon comes back to you like riding a bicycle where you go, ha, ha, it is normal to win 3-0. Yeah. What? Oh, we, how come we didn't score six? You know, that's the kind of ridiculous <laughs> thing that you're discussing on
5: the way back to the car. So all good. Same with me as well. Straight into the villa shop, got myself a new top. What? Yeah. With the blue sky, wind through
2: my hair. See, this is what happens: success breeds merchandise <laughs> sales. <laughs> if, only, if only Villa had cottoned onto this earlier on. Tom Fox, are you listening? Yeah, are you listening, Tom? That's all you had to do was get us a team—not not a team built on statistics, a team that would actually win games. Then merchandise and uh, shirt sales would skyrocket.
3: Who would have thought?
2: Now, uh, what uh, I've failed to mention to the listeners was uh, a bit like Gary Lineker uh, and his bet that if Leicester won the league, he would do his first show uh, in his underpants. Uh, I mean, what we said, and we actually forgot to tell you last episode, was any time Villa win, we we will be recording this podcast completely naked. (laughs) (laughs) So this is our first attempt at that. So hopefully it hasn't put you off too much so far. I was talking to my friend uh well I had dinner with a friend I hadn't seen for a few months and he was talking about a, a non-league team uh, actually Lincoln City they give their players an app which after the game it sends them a message and it gives them seven seven things that they did right seven things that they did wrong and then suggestions for the next game or, you know, training the next week. So in terms of takeaways from uh, the first three games, I'm not going to ask for seven, but pros and cons. Let's let's talk about pros. What have you taken away from the first week of uh, the championship season? I'd say
5: in terms of positives, I'd definitely say the passion's there
2: and effort and the working
5: hard. That's definitely a positive in considering from last season, yeah.
2: Well, even in the the Luton game?
5: Yeah. Wow. From Elphick on the bench, Yeah. (laughs) 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 <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm just all Tommy Elphick at the moment. He's literally not my eye on that. We'll just go through him quickly. I mean, Sheffield Wednesday, what, to me, I mean, that was a, a disappointment, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the, the biggest surprise And the first game of the season. is the first game any team can pretty much beat anybody. What impressed you uh, from the Sheffield Wednesday game, Dan?
3: We had a good spell and I thought that we looked more of a team than we had for a number of months. We looked a lot better than we'd looked in pre-season, I thought. Ultimately, we were undone by a poor clearance and an, an unfortunate ricochet off a header, and the kid runs onto it and, and finishes. I, I think you jump forward to the Luton game; that was obviously poor, but I think what that did is it told us the four or five players who have got no yeah. future at the club, and then you jump to today and you can see how. Yeah, I think all of the new players started, didn't they? That that's a huge positive, and I think Chad mentioned Elphick. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's going to be some man crushes, I think, for uh, for because for he looks he looks. Top draw so far. Yeah. Chester. Chester seemed to grow into the Look game calm. as well. Chester did. For me today, I, I thought he looked a bit. Yeah, he looked really calm and um,
2: uh, as in good on the ball. Yeah. 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 Well, there were just two or three touches where
3: I, I could imagine a Clark or a Baker or hopelessly hacking at it and kicking it into the sky, and us all wondering, well, when will this end up in the net? And there were just two or three nice touches where, not complicated, yeah. but the kind of thing we never do. <laughs> It takes the pressure off the Yeah, there was an example of that and, uh, uh,
5: in the second half where he did look sort of a cruiser and managed to bend it around the player to uh, Elphick. you never see a player do something like that uh, in our past
3: defenders. I mean, just talking about Chester for, for a little bit more because he wasn't really the player I was... I, I, it came out of left field for me. I, I wasn't expecting to see him in our squad this season. And um, I had a very quick chat with a West Brom fan who said that whilst he was there, he, he was played out of position. So they never really Ooh. saw him. And, I mean, that's good. I mean, clearly there's a little bit of versatility there, but we need a centre-half. And he looked far more assured than anything else I've seen recently at centre-half.
2: One Baggies fan uh, said to me uh, he came on as a sub uh, when they were 2-0 up against Everton, came on as a centre-back, and they ended up losing that game 3-2. So I think that was the last time uh, Tony Poulis considered him uh, as a centre-back. I think maybe his height worked against him... Uh, at West Brom as well, He's, it was he eleven, but we're now in a situation where we've got two 5'11 uh, centre-backs in what is meant to be like a physical league, yeah. as the cliche goes. I mean, do you think that will be a hindrance, or do you think it doesn't matter because they're actually decent players? Looking from
5: today, I don't think it really matters, especially corners. We just rely on Rudy Gestet to be our centre-back. <laughs> the dependency of clearances from uh, said today are unreal, but yeah. Uh, I think it might come up in some games, like... Uh, the one who played for Wednesday, the striker that came on, the big striker, he looked about six right, yeah, o'clock yeah. and he he causes problems straight away. Maybe it might be a hindrance, but apart from that, they both work hard. They're both really good at positioning, so I doubt it.
3: I think the thing to take today was was that, I mean, that's true, but and, and I think their, their number nine had some yeah, luck with the balls that were hoofed up to him and he was winning the headers. He was definitely... Mm. But anything on the floor, we dealt with. Beyond trying to pump the ball through us, that they had very little Rotherham, and there'll be enough teams in the division. I think. Yeah. That, well, we can outthink them.
5: We didn't really look um, lot like weak when uh, when it was from set pieces. We weren't troubled from set pieces, or were we really. And that's where most sort of aerial goals come from. So. So,
2: I mean, sticking with the defence, and let's I mean, let's focus on the game against Rotherham. Uh, there was a few raised eyebrows when Bakuna was selected as right back. Uh, what what did you think of that?
3: Um, well, I, I've never been Bakuna's biggest fan, and I think that you almost have to give him a job and keep him limited to it and say, look, this is what you've got to do.
2: We have a problem at right back because is he the solution?
3: I don't know if he's the solution. He probably had one of his best games in a Villa shirt today.
2: In my opinion, I'll just pick him over Alan Hurtan Alder and
5: Richards, even though Mm, uh, he's not the solution. Obviously, I feel like we do need to bring in a right back, like we've mentioned before. Yeah. Um, But yeah. As for a backup, as soon as that back had a problem, like a niggle or suspension, I'd put the straight in there now.
2: I think today's selection uh, puts a massive question mark on uh, Mr. Richards' future at Aston yeah. Villa, because I think a few would have been surprised, mm. him not giving the nod today, for sure.
3: But Richards has offered so little, I think that there's, this, uh, there's this myth around him, and I think that we all bought into it when he joined the club. And...
2: I noticed when, like when he played right back uh, so far this season, when he, when he gets the ball, he doesn't play the ball and then overlaps. He cuts inside and joins mm-hmm. the centre forward, which leaves yeah. him like, terribly out of position mm-hmm. straight away if the opposition retrieved the ball. He's not tracking back on the flank. He's, uh, he's in the middle of the park. I've become fascinated with Richard's position ever since pre-season, last season. It's astonishing yeah. how he's mm-hmm. kind of got away with it because he didn't seem to know where to be at, at any given time.
3: All over the place, and 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 there were countless examples last season. Regardless of whether he was at centre half or right back or wherever, <laughs> wherever he put himself on the pitch, he was he was always the one where when you used to used to look at the highlights of or the goal we conceded, yeah. you'd look at where Richardson, you think yeah. well, what is he, what is he doing? And and that was that was countless times last season. And so many managers now have come in and and, uh, and work with him. I mean, he's been overseas at Fiorentina and whatever. He's not he's not cutting it, and he falls into that. Bunch of Villa players that if they weren't there or they left, you wouldn't be that bothered, and and I'd I'd be happy to pick up more Chester's and that type of player and more Alfex. Yeah, mm. I'd, I'd be more willing to go with that sort of player over. Yeah. Well, that's
5: the that's the key really. They look so out of out of depth and out of position at right back. If you would spot him at centre back, it'd be even worse. It's almost like a calamity.
2: Yeah, well, we don't mention him at centre-back anymore. <laughs> Keep that one quiet. <laughs> Keep that one up. No, no, no. And also, Sissoko, I thought, had a reasonably decent game today. Yeah. And he seems to, yeah. uh, his deliveries actually uh, is kind of a notch or two over, well, from preseason onwards. I mean, that creates an interesting position because you've got Joe Bennett, who was gone, until uh, the good doctor pulled a plug. but Do you think that was a case of them actually wanting to sell him and actually get some money, rather than him being back in uh, Di Matteo's plans?
5: Probably sell him more than that. Because <laughs> um, even on, on the Birmingham mile, like, as well, it was like his surplus requirements in De Matteo's plans. So
2: I don't know. I can't see him having a role. It's a bit of a strange one. I think it was more financially that deal was not good for Villa. Yeah. He obviously wants to move, so we'll just we'll probably look for a better offer. I think
5: and get him out the door.
2: Before the first podcast show, we actually did a recording, and we decided not to run with that as the first episode because uh, I think fans would have had to pull out the razor blades. It, it was uh, it was bordering on uh, doom, never mind negativity. But uh, one one of the things that came up, uh, uh, and and I'm aiming this one at you, Dan, was. Uh, I think you said that uh, Rudy Gasté was the worst Aston Villa player you'd ever seen in your life following the Villa. Do you care to uh, readdress that uh, statement?
3: I will, and I let's revisit it now. I think he's as a footballer one of the most limited players that I've seen to date. Now, I think he did. He did two. He did a number of great things yeah. today. I think he got great service. Which makes a big difference.
5: Yeah,
3: it does. Huge, huge, huge. And what he doesn't have is, and I know this is a big leap of comparison to Benteke, Benteke could make things out of nothing for himself and would do, I guess can't do that. Now, the two goals he scored today, great, great cross, great header. Um, nothing yeah. wrong with that, but the the one the one two or the the interplay where McCormack squares the ball, he has a lot to do when he yeah, finishes yeah. it. But he's he's eight yards from goal, and I would expect a striker to finish that, and, and he finishes it fantastically. What what I would say is look at the forty five minutes when he was on the pitch against Luton. Yeah. What did he do? And and I do wonder whether in the time that's gone since the Luton game to Rotherham, as someone as someone actually said to him, look, if you want to be top dog here, you've got to deliver. Yeah. And, and and he's probably rightly said when well, you've got to put the ball on my head from six yards and I'll yeah. score. I think if, if we can if we can accommodate him and it, it looks quite an exciting foursome of, of Gested, Ayu, McCormack, Grealish. That's good. Yeah. I like that because it, it offers a bit of everything, which last season everything fell on Gisted I think for some games and, and he's he's quite limited in, in, in some areas.
5: Oh, I'd say the uh, the difference to that was the fact that McCormack and Gisted worked really well together. And the fact that yep. the midfield managed to get the ball into them really early. Yeah. McCormacking yeah. has said, I think, will be lethal this season.
2: Well, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there about getting the ball into them yeah. early because uh, all the crab like passing across the front of the 18 yard box of the opposition has, I mean, that's let us down for the last four seasons. So uh, it's a complete waste of time. Pointless.
3: Absolutely pointless.
2: Maybe this is something that's been drilled into Gostad, that he's got to make those runs, and let's have a bit more urgency with getting the ball in there. Well, you've got one of the best headers of the ball. You might as well use it. Well, yeah, exactly. And so what do you think about McCormack so far? Because when you look at his stats, he's a one-in-three uh, scorer, so I was ex- expecting him to uh, score today. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's like his brain's always yeah. ticking. His movement's great. He's He looks really predatory
3: in... You know, he had a, he had a great shot in the first half, and, and this is where he differs to Gested, Really, he picked the ball up, he turned. Nothing else was really. Oh, on, shit. He just spanked it at the yeah. goal. You know, and that's that, that's quite Benteke esque, really. Mm. That sort of seizing that moment. The thing I I think I mentioned in the first podcast the the assists and those little interplays. Yeah. He's really a smart footballer, and he's quite hard as well. I do like that about him, and I think that what you'll get is or what we'll benefit from those little flicks, those little one twos where he'll be in and around that, that position that's quite natural for a striker. Gested should be able to feed yeah. off that, and I'd like to think A. U. should feed off I think off Grealish will actually
2: that. be brought into the uh, into mm. the game more with uh, McCormack because he's, he's somebody who's potentially playing on his same, same wavelength.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, re- really like him.
2: Two things I love about McCormack today. It was number one, obviously, the assist
5: for Gested. I thought that was brilliant. It, yeah. was, it was a touch of class. And then number two, the amount of runs he made and yeah. the fact that yeah. like I said before we were feeding him earlier um, against Wednesday I was looking and all you'd pick up the ball um, McCormack would run off it's obviously McCormack's debut so they've got a sort of gel together but today as soon as McCormack around a run they'd drill it into him or he'd take a defender with him it's brilliant he does it? he creates yeah. a lot of space for those around him
3: one final thing great corners yeah great yeah. corners so you don't, so you don't have a problem
2: with a, a centre forward taking corners. I mean, with Harry with Harry Kane, it was uh, in the in the European Championships. It was a bit of a odd one because he's a you know six foot plus striker. But obviously McCormack's was what, what is he like five nine? Mm-hmm.
3: I think he's he's five nine, and um, we we don't have another great dead ball yeah. corner taker. And immediately you're looking and thinking, well, this is better than the westward floated pass that was just a waste of time. And I, I think. If you can put two or three balls in like you did today every week, you'd like to think Gostad will get on the end of one of those sooner or later.
5: It just proves that the ball doesn't have to be pinpoint from a corner. All he does is just whip it in the area and then attack it.
2: Well, I mean, beating the first man's always a start. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I don't want to sound too cynical, but this was only Rotherham and Villa really should be putting them away at home. So in that context, was there anything that was a cause for concern? I mean, obviously from the first two games, but uh, from this game as well? Dan,
3: I think Gallini's been a little bit flappy during the. I mean, during the Rotherham game, he was was also his error that led to the Sheffield Wednesday goal as well on the opening game. I think that's that's the only thing so far that I would say is. Yeah, I would like I would
2: like to see Gallini under like a sustained uh, period of pressure where a team gets you know two or three corners on the trot, you know, three games. But I still don't really have a sense of him as a goalkeeper. Is there anything else? Um, I'd say Alan Hutton on the bench.
3: Our, our bench generally is a cause for concern. No. I think it sort of showed today that we didn't have a great deal in terms of the centre mids. Anyway, that the next option after a Westwood or a centre mid is
5: Gardner. Centre backs is even worse, though.
2: It, it was more a bench because the players weren't good enough to get in the team, rather than a bench offer, offering any alternatives. Yeah. So, I mean, that was uh, that was very apparent when when you know when you when the team line-out came out. Let's talk about the biz- business, what we expect to be done, because, uh, I mean, Tony, uh, Dr. Tony on Twitter has obviously been uh, ex- excitably saying mm-hmm. there's, I think there's about three or four players, did he say, that were still going to come in? And uh, mm-hmm. Keith Wynos seems to have backed that up. So um, we we uh, we spoke before uh, uh, before we started recording about Villa not actually having a marquee signing uh dan i mean obviously that's going to uh attract uh season ticket sales or s- tickets full stop if there's somebody that uh fans want to come and watch but obviously in the championship it's not as appealing to like decent players but i mean what, what you know do you think tony will try to uh, get somebody who's a bit of a name even if he's uh, a little bit older
3: i think he might and uh, i think there's there's a little bit of Especially with his tweets, he's he's increasingly cryptic with stuff as well. This this whole question mark around the number nine shirt that he's sort of teasing us with, and <laughs> it, it'll go one of two ways. This one, where he, he'll either it'll be someone quite run of the mill who you might reasonably expect that we could get, or we might get someone out of the bag who I think we all crave a marquee signing. I don't we don't necessarily need one because I think we need to add the types of players we have been, you know, yeah, slowly that and and blooding them. But wouldn't it be nice to have I don't know Benteki on loan for six months?
4: <laughs> <laughs> like, there seems
3: to be this suggestion of Bamford as well, doesn't there? that, that that's that's the
5: rumour that won't go away. And but Bamford wouldn't exactly be a marquee signing, would it?
3: Well, that's why you wonder whether there there might be a. I mean, maybe within Paddy Riley's amazing skating network, a. Uh, the the showstopper signing and oh maybe as you alluded to really someone who's perhaps 33, 34, 35 in and around Europe who's yeah. got a season and I think we mentioned in the first podcast like a cambiasa albeit as a yeah. striker that sort of figurehead who you go wow we've got him playing for us you know they might not be the game changer but for 30 minutes or
2: so what, so, what are we missing then? If, if if they're talking about three or four players still to come in, I mean, I think defense was sorted out, apart from probably uh, if Richie Delac comes in from Leicester or some other right back. Because I think right back, I don't think Bakuna is the, the answer for the whole season. Yeah. So, apart from that, what are we talking? Are we talking a striker?
1: A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend
0: Picture the scene, all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: In, uh, two midfielders, uh, one of the midfielders maybe being a winger as well. W- what's your thoughts on that, Chad? Two centre midfielders.
5: I don't think I don't know if we need a winger now. Do I? i do not offering that option yet. Yeah. I'd say if Adama wouldn't be included, then definitely because we had no sign of him earlier on. But yeah, definitely that, and then probably a striker. And Dan, what, right, what,
2: what what are you looking for?
3: Mm, we're certainly light. I think look look at the bench again today. That it was a number of players who. What are they? What are they going to bring to the party if we need them? Yeah. Definitely need cover at right back. Definitely need another goalkeeper, as I said in the first podcast. Yeah, I, think. I, I not, agree. Not just, with,
2: I agree on the goalkeeper front. For not, sure. not to say it's a priority as such, but you just got to cover goalkeeper. your ass over the lo- over the long ass. season. <laughs> Absolutely,
3: and we definitely need another centre midfielder. And without wanting to be horrible to Westwood, we've got to be looking to improve upon what we've got. You know, there's got to be some... we'll put some pressure on him as well.
2: You know, Di Matteo's obviously dabbled with a bit of gardener. I mean, maybe he'll find his feet for a few more appearances.
5: Mm.
3: No, he, he, I think was a, it was a real shame he's looked so disappointing in the two main fixtures he's, he's appeared in. And someone made a good point to me when I, was, I was sat in him today that it, it's very different turning out for Nottingham Forest as he has been with lower expectations. Um, they've been middling around the championships. Our expectations are, are promotion. It is promotion. Yeah. Um, yeah. You need a quality, complete footballer. And, and I have been disappointed with what I've seen from Gardner so far, to be honest. And um, I'd be worried about having just him on the bench.
2: Yeah, I've given him the benefit of the doubt for many seasons now, and you know wanted to champion him as the mid, you know, all-round midfielder, captain of the club. But uh, I think he's he's potentially in final weeks before he may be loaned out again because he hasn't got long left on his uh, contract. I don't think.
3: No, no, he hasn't. That's why I thought that the Luton game particularly was so poor from him because he looked he looked short in a number of areas where we're yeah. being overrun, and I thought. Hang on, we're going to be coming up against harder outfits than Luton this season, and and he looked a bit headless for me. Yeah, so that was a big concern, and probably for Di Matteo.
2: In terms of players coming in, uh, I think Di Matteo said there was like a deadline that he wanted everything in place, which was kind of next week. But I think the, this transfer window hasn't come alive yet. I mean, I was, you know, you're looking no. at ma- watching man, uh, match of the day, and you've got like Hull with 13 fit players, and they haven't bought anybody. Burnley have bought one player probably Stephen Defoe's coming in, West Brom the same, but a lot of these teams are light and they've got all this money and nobody's really, apart from the big top end clubs, have really uh, splashed the cash yet. And you think they would have, obviously, because there's a vested interest in staying in the the, the division.
5: Mm-hmm. Maybe the Euros.
2: Yeah, like but down. once it sparks up, I think it might obviously also change the landscape for Villa and, you know, potential offer up opportunities for in and outs. Because yeah. can Mikael Richards hang around as a, Kind of an odds and sods player. Yeah, exactly. I don't don't think that's in his interest either way. He doesn't seem to be the kind of character that will just sit around picking up his wage either.
5: Well, is is the question marks above Corey's head as well now?
2: Chester coming in sends you know big signal. I mean, it's not as if they bought him for a couple of a million just as a backup defender to just to give us depth. there. This is a eighth you know eight around eight million, which suggests sorry, Corey, but you're not doing the job for us.
5: Mm-hmm. But it's worrying though that. Log like Baker when he got injured, uh, that we have to rely on Akure and Richards, and I'd like to see someone like Toner be promoted. But well, yeah, I think yeah. I
2: think Toner's in thinking uh, in terms of depth. You have four centre backs essentially to cover most injury situations, but if Toner's fourth or fifth, then that's I think that's you know that's where he sits at the moment. But Akure was meant to be the answer. I mean, he was. For me, when the season he came in, he was like the biggest signing of that summer. And uh, offering pace and power at the back, he was going to transform the Villa defence. But, you know, he's uh, too susceptible to injury. And then he kind of switches off at times during games. Like he did against Liverpool. Well, he and almost had two.
3: Good grief. Yeah, that's true. I don't know what he was thinking.
2: So it's it's hard to tell, you know, if these pe- certain players can knuckle down and they can transform. But going back to the Bomb Squad Mark II, I mean, Gabby, it's quite funny. The Good Doctor basically said we've had a word. He he knows he he knows where <laughs> God, he's gone thanks. wrong. We've given him a solution, and that seems to be he's going out on loan for a year. And I think if he goes out for a year, he's not coming back. And the only reason it's we're talking alone is because he has. A is being paid too much. He's not going to get that anywhere else, and there's too many years left on his contract. Because was it Mr. Fox decided yeah. that uh, Villa, play, uh, Villa fans actually loved Gabby and that he should stay as some kind of talisman? Oh dear, yes. You can't really have players like that hanging around, can you? Like a bad smell. No, now, he's given
3: us. He's given us singular great moments, Gabby. has, yeah. but they're all in the past and. We need to move on.
2: Well, ex- exactly. We on. I mean, he's he's somebody that uh, has done great things, and as you said, he sometimes hasn't performed over a whole season. I mean, he he should have been in the twenties in terms of goals. In you know, let's say for the Martin O'Neill years.
3: I always think back to those years because you look you look at a group that group of players that it, it wasn't great for us, but your Milners, your Youngs, and others they all moved on to bigger and better things. The Barrys, yeah. Gabby didn't, and the reason for that was he never he could never do it consistently or well enough, yeah. or you know he never scored the fancy goals or never applied himself. It's just your classic one great game in five man, isn't he really?
2: So on to the the three left back situation. You you think uh, Bennett's on his way out, and yeah. Sissoko? I mean we. Last week, uh, you berated me for even suggesting that Sissoko should stick around, but...
5: Is this my, this is my Dan moment, Gostead?
2: But yeah, um,
5: today when I saw him on the, on the uh, team sheet, again, everyone was saying, oh, no, it's such a brilliant team sheet, but I don't know, he stuck out like a sore thumb of for me, and I was thinking, but I still don't feel comfortable yeah. with him there, and I thought our full were exposed at the start of the game. I was like Bakuna and... Sasuke, but they're both proven wrong. Sasuke even more. within the first uh, five minutes, when he struck a shot to the top corner and forced <laughs> their keeper with a world class save, like, who's that? He actually played really well play from that point on. Annoyingly well. <laughs> Probably contender for another match. the match. look at that way. Almost scored a goal. got an assist. and did his job did defensively that. very well yeah, and overlapped. He overlapped more than Bakuna, considering Bakuna's an oh. attacking player.
3: I said earlier, Bakuna probably had his best game. I thought Sissoko arguably had his best game. Mm-hmm. The thing I always think that he's physically massive yeah. as well, and that that in the cha- at championship level, that's got to count for. Because that that kid on the wing was yeah. not getting past him all day. He was just.
2: That's what I'm not thinking. If he if, if he can sort his, the defensive side out and he and he's solid there, then he adds some physicality to those two uh, short ass centre backs that we've got. And, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. uh, I mean, for example, he's he's like he's not Alan Wright. So for for the starters, you you're adding <laughs> you're adding you know when it's. We're defending corners. I would rather have him in there than Bennett.
3: That's yeah. I mean, Bennett hasn't got that physical.
2: But at the same time, if we're going to be uh, the you know one of the dons of this division, we want to be attacking pretty much most of the time and and hopefully slaughtering teams. So you, you want something with a bit more finesse, and that's obviously where Amavi comes in. And hopefully that will happen. But uh, championship level, I mean, I could probably uh, survive with Sissoko in there as uh, that number two if we're having two out of the three left backs that we've got.
3: Yeah, I would agree with that. And now a word from our commercial partners. Do you need a break from the villa? Sail in style to the tropics with Ulysses de la Cruzes.
5: Well, I think Luton was a massive wake-up call. Just seeing uh, the doctor's poor face as he he's, uh, oh, he's yeah, just no, no, I think, his chin sunk into his hand negative
2: uh. and it was a big negative result was actually potentially one of the biggest positives mm-hmm. at the start of the season because for all his enthusiasm he knew it wasn't going to be a walk in the park and you know they went out and bought a player within uh within hours of that I mean, what, what, what do you think of his performance yeah. today dan
3: <laughs> i think he's he's a he's almost a parody of himself isn't he he's a caricature and yeah we're all warming to him, I'm sure. And I, I thought it was it was it was hilarious, and it was brilliant, and it was he's enormously yeah. likable, you know. And it's again, it's such a contrast. <laughs> Could you imagine Lerner of having done that? And it's just so bonkers to even consider it. But the fact that he was out there, he's very visible, and I think that you're right with the Luton game. It was such a wake up call because he was sat there, he was exposed to that, um, and and he and he attaches himself to the club in such a way that yeah, I don't yeah. know whether he feels it as much as we do but he was embarrassed yeah, by, yeah. The, by the Luton game. And as you he, he, he pushed a button to say, we need to sort this out. And that's why I do think there could be a marquee signing in this. And I, and I do wonder that he strikes me as the kind of guy who would love nothing more than to be, to carry out Ronaldo on his shoulders <laughs> onto the <laughs> onto the halfway line before the Huddersfield game and go, well, <laughs> you know, fuck you Holloway. That's <laughs> what <we're doing."> yeah. <laughs> but he
2: somebody uh, uh I was chatting to uh Chad before uh, we pressed record that um uh, there's one there's two ways of looking at uh, Dr Tony and one is like how's this going to end up and that is kind of quite you know fatalistic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there's only one way most things end up and that's badly I mean you're born you die i mean that's that's the that's the yeah. circle of life <laughs> so and is uh dr tony going to be the villa owner for the rest of all our lifetimes every you know every villa fan living today well, un- probably unlikely but there's the other way of looking at dr tony is just to live in the moment and i've started to warm to him from that from that fact because i always i've always looked at things right okay this is happening how's it going to end but in this situation, it's it's almost so much so much fun, and he it, and it rips up the rule book of what owners should be doing, and they should be conservative with what they're putting out there, and uh, they shouldn't really be discussing transfers and potential transfers on social media. Nobody else does it. He's doing it, and uh, why is it wrong if it's never been done before? It's uh, it's kind of refreshing in a lot of ways because it just cut away so much of the bullshit. Of transfer rumors and the media yes. that purposely make up crap just to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get their advertising for the month, you know, hit the targets for the month. So, in that respect, it's, it's a lot of fun.
4: Now it's time for Twitter with Tony. August 10th. Even we agreed to take the Luton Town match as chicken game. Some players are not worth being given chance. August 11. Don't make story with me and RDM. RDM chose the team and board made decisions, not given out for free, especially to rival. No more silly deals. August 12th. I can take it as how much Villa fans love me, how much rival fans hate me. Not bad. August 13th, thanks for your support, which is the force keep Villa going. To a brighter future, together. August 13th, I think we may have the number 9 for the incoming striker. To be real good number 9. August 13th, once we got the winning feeling back, it will keep going. The sleeping lion has woken up. Who TV?
5: on social media now some fans even envy how open the club is, and I'd love it to stay that way, and fingers crossed it does. It's just a complete refreshing approach at the moment. I love it. I'm falling in love with Dr. Tony in the way he is, and I just think as well that a lot of things that he says shouldn't be taken too seriously. Things got a bit got a bit of a humorous approach about him, and yeah.
3: yeah. I think that's the point with him. Is he's so... Uh, I said in the first podcast... Yeah, I don't think there's a great deal of planning that necessarily goes into what he's. It's just he's sat. He's got. Oh, ooh, that's quite. Hang on, let's get that out about Gabby. Let's say that actually we've had a chat with him and he's a bit crap, and we're getting rid of him for a year. I think part part of the part of the PR team Villa's going. Oh grief! And then the other. I mean, it's just as fans. That's we know. That's what the club are thinking.
2: Yeah, what he's doing, he's sometimes doing things uh, that people are thinking. I am sure that mm. people are thinking at Villa, mm. this player, you know, is is a pain yeah. in the you know pain in the butt. And here is their owner actually going out on social media and just saying that. so, the, part of it, I think, well, wow, glad he said that one. I mean, it's obviously not making their life easy, <laughs> like. Uh, you know the James Chester thing. You, you're kind of waiting, okay? Is uh, is he coming in? What's <laughs> happening?
5: I love it that way. Let's not it mess around
2: way. with press conferences. Let's not mess around with the official photo shoot. I'll just tweet a picture of a firm handshake. You know, the deal's done.
3: It's damn effective. And what could you ever imagine a scenario where Tom Fox could have given a straight answer on a transfer dealing or anything for that matter? And no, it just wouldn't have happened. No, and, um, that, that's if there's one thing and you know we don't know how this will pan out we don't know how it will end it is kind of nice to stand on the sidelines or sit in the hall 10 look up and and go look at that crazy guy they're having such fun he's having a lovely time and yeah if he brings us some success and gets us back to the premier league I i can live with that
5: yeah
2: also uh if you buy into him and for somebody who's pretty much let's say he's only just got into this he's got some real genuine passion you know Passion. passion's is a word. I, I mean, I'm not a, not a big fan of that word because you know what does it mean. But he, uh, it seems <laughs> invested, emotionally invested from the off.
3: Well, who drives up to who drives up to to Sheffield and stops off at a crappy service station and gets photographed <laughs> next to Burger King? You know that
2: guy. Maybe he was desperate well, desperate for the
3: toilet. You love a whopper, don't you? On the way, but he's. That's the investment, and and he was genuinely. He went up to Hillsborough to win. He went up, and he was peed off. You could see he was annoyed, but he he could live with it. Yeah, Luton. You could see by his face, he was he was unimpressed with that. And I think it was W M or one of the other local radio stations said he had to be physically calmed down in the directors' room at, at Luton by the other by the other director. Yeah, I
2: mean, I've I've heard for I've heard from somebody at the club that uh, they've described him as uh, pretty full on, as in. Uh, in a good way if you know what i mean like mm-hmm. manically into into it i mean that you know the, the lady the the pregnant lady who just tweeted him uh joking about wanting a free pie i mean he's like oh, just you know just get in my box full stop because she's pretty heavily pregnant so uh it's not just it's not a pr gesture it's it's almost like a sensible thing he's thinking well i've you know i've got a box here with uh nobody uh, in it so uh you know, it's a kind of a nice. It's a very nice gesture, but he's. I think he's coming at it from it's the right thing to do. Full stop. It's early days, but he's certainly breaking the mould of the, the genuine
5: football chairman. Of because all he's bringing is just honesty yeah. and excitement. And where do you, where do you get that if you look at lots of Leeds well, and, the clubs, say that, and what's happening there?
3: I'm Sorry, to interrupt chat, but I think the fact that there were there were thirty three thousand people there today, and yeah.
5: largely I think it was to do with him. I think his enthusiasm is epitomised at the fact that he was willing to go to Luton Town yeah, and- to watch a game as well, and then the next day he showed his business by buying mm-hmm. a centre back mm-hmm. for about eight million. And actually, pounds walking as well.
2: around in the streets of Luton that takes some uh, takes yeah. some credit <laughs> if you've ever been there. <laughs>
5: mm-hmm. If you look at the contrast with Tom Fox, where that uh, that payoff was probably something that will that will live with him forever, and you think how much. Uh, Tony's worth, and he's just walking around with no security. Yeah, no, that, that's, he just really care that's an interesting
2: point. Whole. There, I mean, the contrast—the fact that uh, Tom Fox and cronies last season were walking around with security, and uh, Tony's got a bit more faith, and you know, just goes around. Uh, with his PA, and that's his as simple PA. as that.
3: Well, it's about connections, isn't it? And, you know, the, the team was completely disconnected from the fans. Tom Fox and company were completely disconnected from the fans. And Tony's been clever. He's, he's jumped on the social media thing. We'll see how it pans out. It looks good. It's enjoyable. But he's also been clever with purchases as well. The, the first purchase of the captain from Bournemouth, who... Yeah. He's, he's an instantly likable figurehead on the pitch as well, and... That works very well. It's progress. It feels like progress. And we've only got one win to base it upon. And, but it feels
5: it feels good. I think Dan's hit the nail on the head there. Connection with the fans. Oh, today was definitely the day where I feel reconnected again. With Elphick. Yeah. With the owner. Grealish. I just feel... Yeah, I just, I just wish like some pitch.
2: some people on social media wouldn't hound the hell out of him and tag him into everything because he's obviously mm. uh, trying to do the good thing. And it's just all this noise that's created by tagging him in and asking him about, uh, can he, you know, shorten the toilet queues and open these kiosks and whatever. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of stuff that should be directed somewhere else and let him, you know, get on with doing the good stuff. But one positive that we uh, we spoke about before, do you remember how we said uh, that it, it
5: might turn sour with a bit of hate on Twitter and with a bit of the sort of the people that would give him a bit of stick? Well, I was looking to that and if you look at his comments, he gets about 20, 30 comments. And then if they're all a bit dodgy West Brom fans or things like that giving him a bit of hate, you just see it disappear, the list. You just, <laughs> I think he just blocks them straight up, which is probably the perfect remedy for it as well. Yeah. His PA probably just blocks all of them, which is brilliant, I think.
2: So I think he's doesn't mess around on social media. He knows what he's doing. Let's uh, let's close on a uh, five things or five reasons to be cheerful as a Villa fan uh, after this week and the owner doing a performance on the the pitch, which uh, the like of which, uh, God, can you imagine winning a trophy? Oh. <laughs> He'd be wearing it on his head. He'd be it on his head. <laughs> uh, who's 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 going for number one? I'll, I'll go for number one. There's Grealish. What, there was a statistic that Grealish the last is it 19 games he'd been involved with and don't quote me on 19 it's 18 17 19 uh, maybe 20 who knows but he was involved in that many games and Villa hadn't uh, got a point in fact they probably lost most of them but today that curse is lifted I, I was thinking maybe he, he is the curse of Villa and we'd probably have to loan him out just mm-hmm. to lift it but uh, I think that goal kind of sets him up for the season I mean obviously the one against Leicester did last season it didn't really kick on from then but this time I think he's learned the lesson from that so hopefully he crack on and uh get double figures this season and become a man about substance and not just hype. His goal today was exquisite. Any anybody with a number two will I'll go with number two and that's
5: we won a game. <laughs> there you go, full stop. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Next on the checklist is an away game. <laughs> that's what we need to win next. Number
2: three, Dan, any any offers? Mm, straightforward
5: really. Walking away from Villa Park with a
3: sense of optimism and you know, even when we won in January many, many months ago, I think we all knew we were doomed even then, really. But walking away thinking, wow, this, this feels like if we could build on this. And, you know, as I said at the beginning, walking away thinking, wow, 3-0. Well, we could have had six, yeah. though, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> a bonkers, <laughs> just a bonkers turnaround from from you know midweek where you're thinking, oh, grief, what's is this going to pan out? It's just a nice change of direction.
5: Uh, number four do you want me to go in that one as well, of uh, early signs of a proper centre-half partnership, despite their mm-hmm. height as well. I think they both played really well today. And if we can keep them injury-free, I think that they are brilliant leaders on the pitch, both of them.
2: Number five? Well, I, I'm going to go for... Yeah, there's, it's a toss-up between... Mm-hmm. Uh, Adamatore is alive, <laughs> and uh, and the uh, the early collapse of the revolution. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind. Uh, Geordie fans and I, you know, I think Newcastle fans are, are, are pretty decent as as a bunch. But I just love this wind up that we've got going on. Oh well, I, I just don't understand why they didn't think that John Joe Ger- Shelby wouldn't work. I just <laughs> he's,
3: and and to be honest, you know, good luck with Kieran Clark.
2: if at the end of the season Villa go up and Newcastle don't quite make it uh, Agent Clark will be uh, there will be a ceremony where he gets a very big gold medal
5: We'd love Tony ear walking out on the pitch with a big cardboard cut out of his head. <laughs> it to the
2: ground, like, yeah. He will also present uh, Kieran Clark with a, uh, a key to the city of Birmingham and, and probably uh, Shanghai as well.
3: When is the date for when we, we relegate into League One? What date is that? <laughs> <laughs>
2: because I need to get my inflatable
3: penis and I need to get my inflatable Tony Zai throw into the stand and
5: road <laughs> surf on, on the He's <laughs> got my black and white coffin as well. Anyone remembers <laughs> <laughs> that for the first time? My inflatable Peter Beardsley <laughs> smile
0: all the way down.
2: We haven't mentioned the Chinese flag. Chinese flag. Chinese flag.
0: My old man said